This is Crypto Radio, powered by MoneyWeb, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. Jürgen Kernel and Mark Chernside are founders of crypto payments company Zago, spelt X-A-G-O, which provides a gateway entry point to Ripple's XRP ledger. What this means is you can transfer funds, either fiat or crypto assets, from one point to another on the Ripple ledger in a safe and secure way, provided it's on the XRP ledger. We're going to get into that in a minute. Mark, one of the big criticisms of Bitcoin is that you can't use it practically to buy coffee and croissants. It just takes too long. Visa and MasterCard can do it in seconds. Have you solved this problem at Zago? Yeah, I think we've moved it now into reality rather than into probability or you know possible. So we're able to, in a much shorter time scale, so instant settlement, no chargebacks, and the near zero fees. So we're comparable in any with the Visa and the MasterCard in terms of timing, but we're better in the terms of settlement and, uh, and no chargebacks, obviously, which is obviously a risk for many merchants in, the, in that environment. We're definitely moving into a space where people don't need to know that it's running on blockchain or Ripple in that retail environment. Just the same as they don't know how Visa or MasterCard really works in most of the cases anyway. Just talk about that a minute. You said one of the advantages that you have over Visa or MasterCard is settlement. What are the problems that you have with card payments that maybe people don't understand? Uh, card payments can be charged back for many months depending on the country. So, um, you know, you can do a transaction and then six months later say it wasn't me. Then the merchant and the, your your bank and the acquiring bank have to prove it was you. Obviously, with chip and pin, that, that made it a lot easier, a lot more secure. But if you don't, you know, like the United States, where the pin's still not used overly, um, there, there's obviously major risk there. Jürgen, you're making this payment system available on Ripple, or XRP as it's known. That's not important for customers to know, rather like when you send funds between one bank and another. You don't really know how that's done. But what perhaps is important to know is which crypto is best placed for payments. Now, you've chosen Ripple or XRP. Just explain why that is. Thanks for that question. Um, obviously, the, the the first reason we have to look at is is why we have chosen a blockchain or, or a crypto asset rather than a traditional payment method before we look at what type of crypto asset is the best place. So what the blockchain brought to uh, the payments world is to have transaction finality between two parties where the two parties don't have to have a relationship with each other. So in, in other words, you can have an open loop payment system uh, without any relationship or a third party to, to create this transaction finality. And that is what Bitcoin essentially achieved with, a, uh, with Satoshi's white paper. Most of the cryptos are pretty slow because of the proof of work algorithms. And um, therefore, we have chosen XRP, which uses a consensus algorithm, which is super fast, uh, settles in three seconds, have a, a throughput of 1,500 transactions per second, which you can scale and is extremely cheap. I think you can do something like 100 transactions for one South African cent. Mark, you've developed a platform which connects consumer wallets uh, that store crypto assets, fiat currency, or rewards with the retailers. So you're bypassing the traditional rails, as they're called, and you're enabling consumers to use this value to make payments and deposits and withdrawals at the point of sale. Now, you did something similar in the UK. Tell us about that, and how is that project going? It's going back a good few years, but we launched a product in the UK initially, um, it's called Ucash back then, which went ultimately to 50 countries around the world. Um, you could walk into a store and buy a voucher at 400,000 locations and then use that voucher online. Initially, there was no regulation. 
none whatsoever. So we were outside the regulation and there was that, you know, that frowned upon look from a new payment method, one, and two, you know, is it being used for nefarious means? Um, and it was in the beginning, it was used a lot on gambling side. We actually took a view that we wanted to be regulated. So we actually went through regulation in Europe, one of the first e-money regulations and got it uh, passported across the whole of the European Union at that time. And our business increased dramatically, not because because now we were in the mainstream. So in the past, the for customers and the merchants we, we were dealing with were mainly gambling before, and we were doing things properly, to be honest. But afterwards, there were companies like Skype and Disney were using the product. So now it, it just opened it up to make it more legitimate, more appropriate, um, less risky, and it was less frowned upon as a microwave. So it changed our business overnight. Jürgen, are we seeing cryptos being used for payments? There was a presentation recently in South Africa where someone mentioned that he paid for a meal using Bitcoin in three seconds. Now, anyone who owns Bitcoin and has transferred it knows that it can often take hours for Bitcoin. So how is that done? And there are ways and there are means, Zago being one of them, that makes this uh, the, the kind of buying of a croissant or a cup of coffee, you can do it in seconds, right? Absolutely. So I think a lot of people misunderstand uh, what a payment is. When you uh, transfer a Bitcoin from one wallet to another wallet, so, or I could transfer it from my um, Luno wallet to Valor wallet, I've done a payment because I've transferred value between two wallets. So Bitcoin payments or crypto payments is, is rife. It's happening every day all over the place. So uh, people misunderstand when they say payments is not happening. So uh, a specific payment, what people often refer to, like a retail payment or pay for your cup of coffee. Now, uh, if you take an example of BitPay in the uh, in the US, they are currently processing over a hundred million US dollars a day already uh, doing only crypto payments. Uh, XRP, of course, is one of them. So, uh, crypto payments is absolutely happening all over the place. People just misunderstand sometimes what a payment actually is. All right, so talk about Zago, and you're going to be scaling this up, and presumably you're scaling this up across the world. How far have you got, and are you now in the, at the point where you're engaging merchants and you're engaging consumers, and you're just trying to build the network? So good timing. I know you don't probably know what I'm about to say, but we, got, we announced the investment by Capitec this morning alongside him, uh, their investment partner, Empowerment. So we announced that this morning. So that's banking in the in the crypto space uh, we are in the process of uh we have signed already a number but we have 25 global exchanges on the discussion point about accepting uh, the integration with us to open up south africa right. we are working with the authorities uh, on regulation around this space and we are working with a retail chain uh, sorry, a couple of retail spaces um to bring the functionality down to the point of sale. So realistically, when how far into the future will I be able to walk into, let's say, a pick and pay or a spa and, and pay with Zago system, your Zago platform? The early part of 2021. And how will that be done? Will it be through my uh, smartphone? Yeah, it'll be through your phone. Um, smartphone, definitely, um, but we are looking to support the USSD. Our platform was built around the USSD as well to allow feature phones. Right, so that brings me on to the next question. Jürgen, which crypto is best placed for payments and we've got all these different cryptos and of course the big ones are bitcoin ethereum and ripple now your your platform is built on ripple is that the best place for payments just because of the speed absolutely uh, payment speed is is essential um if you had to take a example for example uh, bitcoin that takes 12 minutes to to clear on average to for a block confirmation 
or the Ethereum network that takes uh, three minutes, and then um, uh, the X XRP ledger that takes three seconds. If you had to, to use uh, any of the other cryptos, let's just use Bitcoin as an example to make a payment at Pick and Pay. If you're standing at the Pick and Pay and it takes 12 minutes for confirmation before you can leave the uh, queue, you're going to slow the queue down, and I don't think Pick and Pay will be very excited about it. So what essentially will happen then is whoever is using that payment mechanism will have to take on some sort of a risk in order to clear the funds faster. And that's really not ideal, and it's kind of bypassing the whole point of the of the payment system. XRP is the only one that is placed that can actually transfer in the value and create transaction finality in enough space. Well, in less enough speed so that you you won't influence the flow at the point of sale. I mean, if you look at what Visa is doing and why they can achieve this standardly around the world, a, a transaction cleared in three seconds, I think the settlement only happens at the end of the day in batches, doesn't it? Are we talking about a different type of settlement here where it's going to be settled in real time rather than at the end of the day? And it really is just the exchange of information, not so. So could you not just be using the Visa or the MasterCard networks to facilitate the rollout of this new system? You could certainly build upon the Visa and MasterCard networks. There's no issue there. And obviously, they've announced their, their area in space, their entry into this space. The settlement is actually very important. A merchant needs to know that they, they are settled. The difference here is they are settled and it cannot be reversed. The different in a card transaction, it still can be reversed, anything up to six to nine months later. So you may have you may have got the money but the consumer can obviously dispute the transaction. Right. Um, so that that's the major, major one of the major benefits. The second major benefit is, as Jürgen referred to earlier, the cost is just majorly different. So if you're a merchant today paying three to six percent of your uh, trans your, your revenue away to to them, uh, towards to your acquiring bank, I should say, and you could suddenly be you know much lower, nearer to zero. Which one are you going to go with? Right. And and so, so what what cost will you be charging merchants in South Africa? Well, we're charging 0.25%. 0.25% versus the typical 3 to 6%. That's a big saving. That's a very compelling business case, right? And then you get the money and you can have that money same day. It's cleared in real time. Yeah, it's cleared in real time. So you can then, you can either batch it up. Obviously, people don't want to take out 20 rand at a time. But they can um, if they want to. But they, if they batch it up, they can then take it out X times a day. We, we don't put a limit on Okay. And th this method of payment, you can convert it from fiat currency to Ripple to other forms of money, can you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the major difference between Zago and some of the other uh, exchanges is that although all these exchanges are centralized, so what that means, if, if I put 10,000 Rand, if I deposit 10,000 Rand in, into one of the local exchanges bank account, when that 10,000 Rand reflects in your wallet, what they've given you is a credit. So they're saying that you are, you know, we owe you 10,000 Rand, you've given it to us and you can now either buy some cryptos or trade or do something with it. The major difference between us and them is when you give us 10,000 Rand or deposit 10,000 Rand into our bank account, we issue that 10,000 Rand onto the XRP ledger. And that 10,000 Rand, you are able to, so that is a peg coin and you are able to, to send that around. You can send it to other customers on our platform, or you can send it externally to other platforms that have trust lines with us. This is very interesting for people who are accustomed to doing Forex transactions. For example, you know, when you, you're sending money from a South African account to an overseas account, 
every time that money moves, there's a percentage which is bitten out of the thing. And that can be quite substantial. I mean, it can be 3% if you're using your card, and it'll probably be close to that if you're just doing an EFT transaction. So we're talking about a fundamental change in the whole business case here, where these costs are going to come as close to zero as possible. And I mean, it really just is exchange of information. You, you know, whether you're moving that money from one address in Johannesburg to another in Johannesburg or to Alaska, the, there's, there's no real difference in, in the cost or the logistics or the difficulty of sending that, right? Absolutely right. And, you know, when it's, like you say, 3%, 3% of a million still hurts against someone who's sending 100 rand. So um, that's a very important part. So if we actually went, as going back to Jürgen's previous point, if we if it comes into our platform, you can send it to an exchange in, in Alaska, I think you said. <laughs> you can send it to Alaska, and three seconds later, it's in Alaska. So, you know, and it's available. You can use it. Okay. All the technology that sits uh, underneath this is not really important for people to understand that. Uh, I mentioned the case of the guy who, who bought a dinner, and he paid with Bitcoin in three seconds. So there, there are these technologies that sit on the, the Bitcoin blockchain that enable this kind of speed to happen. What we're really waiting for now is the, the mass adoption. And, and that's probably going to be fairly uh, at lightning speed. You know, in two or three years, we're going to look at a very fundamentally different financial system in the world, right? Agreed. Yeah, there's no need for anyone unless they want to know what the technology is underneath the, under the lid, if you like. But um, just as much we don't know, unless you're involved, you know, like some of us have been for most of their life, in how the payment industry works. You just make a payment and it goes from your bank to someone else's bank. You just need to know that happened. And you need know, to know it happened securely and you know, there's no risk to you in doing so. Okay, final question here. Central bank digital currencies, are they going to become a big thing? Are these central banks going to start issuing their own crypto monies? Yes, I actually think it is. Um, there are some central banks already. Um, well, there's quite a few already in test, and there's um, one or two already live. Even our local South African bank, the South African Reserve Bank, is having a project on that. Um, it's, I think, uh, central bank digital currency is a very interesting use case. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, the future is certainly going to be less cash and more digital cash in this case, which is central bank digital currencies. Right. That does raise the obvious question, though. Is it just going to be another rail or another channel for them? Uh, because the benefit that you have with Bitcoin is that it has a cap. There will only ever be 21 million of them in issue. Whereas when you've got these central banks issuing digital currencies, they might uh, fall into the temptation that they've fallen into up to now, which is just no, yeah. no cap on the issuance of these um, coins. I agree. So that's a definitely an inflationary conversation, I suppose, around that space with the 21 million. So you can print money and you can issue digital currency. So inflation still can happen. So I think that's definitely going to come. Um, but, you know, one of why, what is the other reason for doing it? The other reason is because they want to actually monitor what's going on like they do today for money laundering or making sure you're using the money wisely from a tax perspective. So it's definitely coming, um, whether it comes with a CBC or uh, a, a regulation. We think it will. In most countries, there'll still be there'll be regulation. Will it be enforceable? I mean, people can go private in the crypto space, and there's very little that governments or central banks can do about it, right? Yeah, I suppose you know, if you know anything in life, I mean, if I wanted to 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 take a little bit of cash and put it under my mattress, I can keep it private. Um, you know, I can uh, take some bitcoins and create some weird wallet somewhere. You know, there's there is ways for you to keep your privacy if this is what you're after. But generally, if, 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 if you are so hung up on privacy, 
you probably are trying to hide something. You're in the minority. Yeah, absolutely. And as Mark says, you are probably in the minority. And so, so the you know the reality is that if you've got nothing to hide, like a normal citizen, uh, a good tax-paying citizen. There should be no reason for you to to have a worry about CBDCs. Okay, we're going to leave it there. That was Jürgen Kunnel and Mark Chernside, who are the founders of crypto payments company Zygel.